Hey everybody, how are you today? My name is Taylor and this is Morbid Academy. This week's episode is proudly sponsored by my love for mugs and all things mugs, small mugs, tall mugs, short mugs, thick mugs, all the mugs, especially when they have really cute designs on them. Now let's get back to the show, shall we? Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. If you're watching, thank you for listening wherever you are listening. This week, we're going to talk about the crazy case of Carl Tanzler, aka Count Carl von Kossel. We'll get to that, don't worry. Except for the fact that he wasn't a count at all, and apparently he went by a bunch of different names, all with Carl. He liked the name Carl, so he kept that, but it's everywhere. He's everywhere. And he's just a little bit eccentric. So let's get into it. Carl Tanzler was born in Germany in February of 1877. And I couldn't find anything about his childhood with regards to how he was raised or how he was treated by his parents, siblings, any of that, until after he graduated from medical school. If he did, if he did. I'm saying if because he claims a lot, so who actually knows? But anyway, after he graduated from medical school, he went to Australia just prior to World War I. During his time in Australia, he was arrested and held in an internment camp. And after the war, former prisoners were no longer allowed in the country, so Carl was sent to Holland in the Netherlands. In 1920, he met and married Doris Schaefer and had two children, Aisha and Clarista, who unfortunately died at the age of 10 from diphtheria. In 1926, Carl emigrated to the United States, settling in Florida, where his sister had emigrated years earlier, and was later joined by his wife and kids. But he wasn't a family man, at least to this family, because just a year later, in 1927, he left his family and took a job as a, as a radiology tech in Key West at the U.S. Marine Hospital, under the name Count Carl von Kossel. I'm going to get to the name, don't worry. But first, he claims a lot. Not only does he claim he's a count, he also claims that he's a doctor with multiple degrees, but he's only working as a radiology tech and you're not a doctor. Um, he claims he's a war hero. He claimed he owned multiple ships and an island at one point. This this guy, you can you could say he's eccentric. And I mean, at that point, it's the 1920s, nobody has Google. So I mean, you could pretty much make up whatever you want and people just kind of have to take your word for it. Who knows? Who knows? Be what you want to be, right? As long as you're not hurting anybody. As long as you're not hurting anybody, Carl. So now let's get back to the whole Count Carl thing. He claims he's a count. The one thing that I could find with regards to his childhood is the fact that as a child he again claimed that he was visited in his dreams or he had visions specifically of a relative why are names of counts and and countesses and duchess why are they all so long why i mean come on now this woman was real but not related to him who knows how he found out about her and decided to have her name, I guess. 
I don't know, again, no relation, no evidence, nothing. So Countess Anna Constantina von Kassel was a German lady-in-waiting and noblewoman and mistress of Augustus the Strong, King of Poland. But he eventually actually turned on her and exiled her. So cool. Again, Carl just claimed to see her in his dreams. And at one point, apparently, she showed him the face of his one true love. It was the face of an exotic, dark-haired young woman. And on April 30th, 1930, he finally found her. 21-year-old Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos, known as Elena, was brought into the U.S. Marine Hospital for an exam by her mom. A little bit about Elena. She was born in 1909 and the third daughter of Francisco Hoyos and Aurora, Milag Aurora Milagro. And in 1926, she married a man named Louise Mesa, who was an asshole and left her after she had a miscarriage. She was technically still married to him at the time of her death, but there's, there's no other information on him or them or any of it. So April 30th, 1930, she comes to the hospital and she is unfortunately diagnosed with tuberculosis, which at the time was extremely contagious and extremely fatal. Most of the people who got the disease died. And if you know anything about ghost stories and, and asylums and hospitals and all of that, a lot of the ghosty goos and hauntings started around the time of tuberculosis because people are just like, oh, you just need fresh air. Here you go. No, it was all until 1930, but whatever. So Carl sees this woman and instantly says, you're the love of my life. I know it. You're from my vision because apparently he's never met a dark haired young woman before in his life, before Elena. And so of course he wanted to do everything he could to save her life. Now in, in 1930, when a patient with TB was treated. They were treated in the hospital for, for a short amount of time and then they were basically sent home to die because there wasn't a lot they could do. So Elena was sent back home to her parents and Carl, Carl was like, I'm gonna save your life. I'm gonna do it, you are mine. So he, with his self-professed medical knowledge, remember, he's not actually a doctor, uh, he smuggled in medical equipment. He stole x-ray machines because an x-ray is going to cure you of tuberculosis. I mean, duh. No. He also brought other electrical equipment and even special tonics that he made himself. He also showered Elena with gifts of jewelry and clothes because that's what you do for the woman of your dreams. Nice. That's nice, right? Yeah. But no, because he, she didn't want it. There is no evidence, record, anything about her reciprocating that love for him. Nothing. I mean, she has tuberculosis. She is in bed dying of tuberculosis, basically, literally coughing up her lungs. And Carl's just sitting next to her being like, I love you so much. Here, have some gifts. Have some gifts. This will make you feel better. She's like, no, leave me alone. I'm dying. They weren't in a relationship. It was nothing. 
he was just that creep who couldn't take the hint the hint of that she's dying also he's 53 and she's 21 at the time so kind of weird but it is just a number but this is weird especially when it's not reciprocated and unfortunately elena passed away from tuberculosis on October 25th, 1931, at the age of 33. And of course, Carl is devastated by this. And he actually paid, which I think this part is sweet, he paid for her funeral and offered to have a mausoleum built for her because her parents didn't have that much money. So they're like, sure, thank you, that's very sweet. And that is sweet but not when you hear the rest of the story. So he had the mausoleum, the above ground mausoleum built for her in Key West Cemetery, and he visited every single night. He had a key made specifically for him that the family didn't even know about so that he could go inside and just hang out with Elena's body. But before she was buried, he had a death mask made of her remember that little tidbit remember that little thing it's gonna come in it's, it, yeah so for two years he just hung out in the mausoleum with elena again it would be sweet but they weren't together she didn't like him didn't even really know him and the other thing he would sing to her okay but he would also inject her with formaldehyde every single night so he could preserve her because he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew. It wasn't just like the next few years went by and then he was like, you know what? I have an idea. No, from the very beginning, he knew exactly what he was doing. He also claimed, again, with all the claims, that Elena's ghost would come to him and talk to him and thank him for the singing and thank him for hanging out with her and eventually told him that she wanted to be taken away from her grave. Fucking Carl, right? So after two years of just hanging out in this grave and creeping everybody out with his obsession with a dead patient, he was eventually fired from his job at the U.S. Marine Hospital and at that point, he stopped visiting the grave. Why? Hmm, I wonder. Now, Count Karl von Kossel wrote journals. There's actually a book of his journal entries by author Count Karl von Kossel. Why? And at the time that he was fired and stopped visiting the grave, he wrote in his journal saying, quote, I am so happy to be back with you, my darling. Very soon the hour approaches when I will take you home with me. End quote. And then, and then it happened. One night in April 1933, shortly after he was fired, Carl went to Elena's grave in the middle of the night and stole her body. Not only did he steal her body, he stole it and dragged it out of there, out of the cemetery, to his home in a toy wagon. What? What are you doing, Carl? This is when you have Rick Grimes just yell Carl. So he brings her to, to his home, his little like laboratory shack thing that he created, where apparently he was actually also 
working on a aircraft for Elena and him to go up into space and the radiation in space would magically bring her back to life and cure her. I had you until I said spaceship, didn't I? So he brings her home and eventually as a dead body does, it starts to decompose and smell like a dead fucking body. And as it decomposes, he's like, you know what? I, I can't have this. I can't have your limbs just, just hanging off and falling off and all of that. So I'm gonna stitch you up and wire your bones back together with piano wire and coat hangers and insert glass eyes into, into your eye sockets because those are gone now. He also continued to inject her with formaldehyde and bathe her in perfume. Cause again, dead body kind of like how a, how teenage boys bathe in Axe body spray. And then as her skin began to decompose, he used silk covered in wax and plaster of Paris to cover her body, basically trying to create a living doll. Carl basically had all the answers. Basically anything to replace her and keep her alive. This is when that Rick Roll song starts, you know? Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run. So eventually, again, as a decomposing dead body does, her insides started to putrefy. And she began to lose her shape and he could just not have that. We can't have that now, can we? So he opens her up and stuffs her body with, with rags. Yuck. And then her hair falls out and he just picks it up and creates a little wig for her. I swear this is like some Norman Bates shit. I wonder if Alfred Hitchcock actually got the idea for Psycho from this. Also, I will have a picture of all of this stuff. Well, not all of this stuff. I will have a picture up of the living doll and Maria and Carl on the Instagram. So make sure you go and follow that because wow. Now, he didn't just have her like a doll in the corner in his house. No, he basically thought she was alive, but he knew she wasn't alive. He clothed her. He gave her jewelry and more gifts. He, um, he took her around the house. He danced with her. He probably had her sit at the, the kitchen table and they had dinner together, I bet. And they shared a marital bed. Beautiful, right? Um, neighbors said that they would see him coming home with boxes of women's clothes and jewelry and perfume and he wouldn't say anything about it. So he knew what he was doing, exactly what he was doing. So was he kind of sane? Because he knew what he was doing. He didn't actually think she was alive. Also, neighbors would say that they would hear him play the organ in the middle of the night because fucking Carl. And he's a count, right? So what does a count do? They have to play the organ in the middle of the night. Now, this went on for seven years. How in the world did it go on for seven stinking years? There were rumors they started with him coming home with all the jewelry, but no woman 
coming in or out of the house and people just started getting suspicious especially because like why all of a sudden did he stop visiting the grave but again seven years why did it take seven years i mean i know why and this the this part is kind of when it all this is when it kind of all comes together but it still baffles me that it took seven years a kid was out in the middle of the night riding his bike walking down the sidewalk whatever and he saw through the window carl dancing with a life-size doll just dancing in the window with a life-size doll cool rumors start but they but they were all just like you know what that's just fucking carl however rumors started to get around to elena's family and remember they didn't have a key or know about the key they may not have even known that the door to the mausoleum could have been opened. However, her sister, Florinda, Elena's sister, Florinda, decided to do her own little investigation because she heard the rumors and somehow she found out about the key. So in October 1940, she went to Carl's house and told him to take her to the mausoleum and show her Elena. And you would think Carl would would say let's let's wait until tomorrow i got stuff to do and then like in the middle of the night go and put elena's body back no no carl says oh you want to see elena she's right upstairs she's taking a nap i'll go show her to you so takes florinda upstairs and there laying in the bed wearing a wedding dress is elena of course, Florinda's like, you're freaking crazy. That's not Elena. That is a doll. I'm calling the police because something's up and you're just crazy. So she calls the police. They come over and she says to them to do an autopsy on it to show her that it is a doll and not her sister. So they do the autopsy and obviously it turns out that it was Elena and Carl is arrested or he's taken into custody. Now, back to the autopsy. Ooh, they didn't just find the piano wire, the coat hangers, the rags, the wax, and the glass eyes. They found that Carl replaced parts of her that took him all the way from just a creep with a creepy obsession to full-on necrophiliac. The autopsy found that Carl had inserted a, a tube into her vaginal cavity for purposes that you can all imagine. Again, they shared a marital bed and they were just planning on having a little family, I think. So Carl was taken into custody, but he was only charged with, quote, wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. What? That's literally all he was charged with. But it gets even better. He was found mentally sane by a psychiatrist. And I, for one, think the psychiatrist wasn't mentally sane. He was mentally sane to stand trial. However, the case was dropped and he wasn't charged. He wasn't arrested because the statute of limitations had expired. 
cool. Cool. Yep. Nothing, nothing else. No charges whatsoever. Not for kidnapping, not for desecrating a corpse, not even for medical malpractice because again, he wasn't even a doctor and he stole all this medical equipment to try and cure her. Nothing. And people actually thought that this was a romantic love story, that he was just so madly in love with Elena and he just wanted her. He, he couldn't, he couldn't have her in that grave. I mean, come on, that's disgusting. It's like, babe, would you do this for me? You love me enough, right? You love me enough to, to dig my body up from my grave and, and make me a living doll, right? Right, babe, come on, babe, you love me, babe. No, ew. They weren't even, again, they weren't even a relationship. Elena did not reciprocate anything to Carl. So he wasn't charged with anything and Elena's body was taken and put on display in a funeral home where 8,000 people came to see her. And even school would let out early so kids could go and see her. Carl even tried to get her body back after all of that. And thankfully, they didn't let him have her. He, the government actually buried her in an unmarked grave just so that he couldn't find her again. So this, this poor woman, she is, first, she's dying of tuberculosis coughing up her lungs and this guy is just pushing his his little quote-unquote love onto her and all these gifts and she's probably thinking dude leave me the fuck alone and then she dies and then he completely desecrates her body in multiple ways and then she doesn't even get justice and she's never really laid to rest yes she's finally away from him but still disgusting. Oh, and then she's put on display for 8,000 people to come and see. And then in 1952, so 12 years later, police were sent to an apartment where they found Carl dead. Now, it's not entirely sure if he died of a heart attack or if it was suicide, but they all say that he was lying in bed next to a life-size doll. And this time, thankfully, it was an actual doll that was wearing the damn death mask of Elena. So he was just obsessed until the end of his days. And his last journal entry said, quote, human jealousy has robbed me of the body of my Elena, yet divine happiness is flowing through me for she has survived death forever and ever she is with me. And that's the story of Carl Tanzler. I will say to end on kind of a happy note, while I was doing my research and trying to find more information on Elena, I found a website called findagrave.com where she has this little memorial on there and it has the story of her and Carl Tanzler um, and all her information. Like it also has her parents on there and her sisters and people have actually left and you can still leave virtual flowers on her virtual grave, which I think is so sweet. I saw that just like, just last month, there was one left for her, which I, I think that's adorable. And then people leave notes. I just think that's very sweet. But seriously, go check out the Instagram. I, I will have pictures up and of what Elena looked like when she was alive. Absolutely gorgeous. 
what Carl Frankensteined her to be. Terrifying of my nightmares. And Carl himself, who looks like the doctor, professor, whoever, from The Nightmare Before Christmas, which makes sense because him being that and then Elena kind of being Sally in the end. But that's the story of creepy Carl Tanzler. What what did you think? I hope I hope you liked this. Please tell me your thoughts. You can listen to Morbid Academy on your favorite podcast streaming services with new episodes out on Friday and the video out on Saturday on my YouTube channel. You can follow on Instagram and Facebook at Morbid Academy. If you'd like to see the videos early or first looks and other exclusive content because I do put up the pictures that I put up on Instagram on Patreon first, you can head over to Patreon and maybe consider donating at patreon.com slash morbidacademy. And if you have a story you'd like to hear or have your own creepy story, you can email me at morbidacademy at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you keep it creepy, my friends.